short. It's extra soothing today for some reason. That smooth saxophone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to Careless Whispers on CLNS Radio. A quick, short version of the show today. The second show in, in a week for us here. My name is Matt Rury, and I'm here with Calvin Chamberlain. And <clears throat> those jerks on the Celtics postgame show on CLNS Radio the other night didn't bring you on the air. I blame Nick Gelso. Forgot your number. That's a load of crap, if you ask me, Calvin. So what we're doing today is letting Calvin get some things off his chest, and I'm going to react to it because, boy, was that an ugly first two games of the series for the Boston Celtics against the Chicago Bulls. Calvin, first off, the Celtics in those first two games have flipped the script. They look like the eighth seed or a non-playoff team, and the Bulls are looking like a team that's been playing well for a very long time, even though we all know that they had a pretty poor end uh, to their regular season and a, a mediocre regular season in general. Calvin, did you mute yourself somehow? Sorry for there the moment go. of yeah. Sorry for the moment of uh, of dead air there, but for some reason I couldn't hear Calvin and he could hear me and it. The board was telling me he was on, but he wasn't on, and there he is. So now he's here. Here I am. And react, now, sir, please. Hey, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, well first of all, I, I, yeah, I didn't expect you to uh, call it, call out CLNS Radio on my behalf. Uh, that was a, a little bit of a surprise for me, but yeah. But the, the Celtics, you you you're right. The Celtics are, are playing like they're the eight seed, and it's funny because uh, I've been looking at some of the reactions to you know this 0 and 2 hole, which it's you know it's still a surprise, but I don't think it's entirely a surprise for us because we thought this was going to be a difficult series. We both had Celtics in seven, but uh, I definitely didn't think. I remember after the Celtics lost Game One, I called in and. Uh, the, the hosts were saying, uh, it looks like the series is going to go six now. And I'm like, it's going to go six. You guys just lost game one at home. And, and you're saying, like, <laughs> okay, now it's going to be 4-2. I, I don't know. It, it, it seemed like it was a surprise to them. But now it seems to have gone in, entirely the other way. Um, People are I freaking out. That, yeah. I, you know, I, I do have some points of optimism for the Celtics that we can we can talk about. I'm not. I wouldn't necessarily wrap this series up. I don't know if you're there yet, Ray. Are you? Are you in the? Uh, no. The, the no. Listen, and that's that's where I'll vocalize this. I'm not backing off of my Celtics in seven pick just yet. Uh, if they can find a way to win tomorrow night, then of course they're in a, in great shape, or not great shape, but they're in better shape than they they are right now, and they would have a, a better chance to actually turn this thing around and win in seven games. If they go down three zero that's when I'm going to have one foot in the water jumping ship because while I'll still believe that they have a chance, if they can snap out of whatever funk they're in, it, it's going to be almost impossible to do so if they lose tomorrow night. So one game at a time, that's the old cliche. They're going to have to play better than they have in the past two games because quite frankly, they don't look like the team that we've seen even in when they weren't playing well in the regular season. And I'm trying to chalk it up to, the fact, Calvin, that they don't they don't have another level. And I've been saying that they they've been the at their peak all year. 
Isaiah Thomas has been at his peak all year. They, and they're still at that peak probably, but other teams are going to elevate their play in, when it gets to the postseason. And you've seen that with the veterans on Chicago. So I think it, it's a combination of the Celtics really not be, not knowing how or not being able to or mentally not being there right now to kick it into that second gear and a combination of Chicago being more cohesive than anybody would have expected likely because they've been there before and they know how to raise their level of play. Yeah, that's the thing for me. It's like I think the Celtics can turn this around, but even if even if they do, the the idea that the Celtics were like the the, the little bit of the paper tiger and a little bit of like like you know, maybe they were a weak one seed I think you can confirm that, right? I, I mean, even if they've managed to, to, to jump out of the series, and I, I think that they can. Uh, we'll talk about some specific trends in a minute, but I, I do think the notion that, like, uh, that, that they were, you know, the, the legit one seed, I mean, they, they did get the one seed, but in terms of, like, in, in, I feel like even Celtics fans are sort of saying, well, uh, we got the one seed, and the reason we were you know, being mocked so much. If we were the number two or the number three, people wouldn't be noticing as much. Or if we were lower, we we just outplayed our talent during the regular season, which is fine. But the con- the, the the other side of that coin is like you're also playing the worst team in the playoffs. You know what I mean? You're you're playing the Bulls. So if if that's the argument, and yeah, maybe the Bulls are a specific bad matchup for the Celtics. But I, I I feel like the way they played in games one and two anyway, they're losing those games to to any any one of the rest of the other teams in the playoff, maybe you can argue they they beat the Pacers in, in one of those two games playing the game they played, but I would even probably argue against that. The way that they played, like, turning the ball yeah. over, still not rebounding. I mean, it's they're they're not playing well. They don't look like a team that's going to be able to win many games. Now maybe they can snap out of it here. Maybe they can find a way to come together and not be sloppy with the ball and not force things and not try and have the referees dictate the game, Isaiah Thomas. And I saw Ty Ray was tweeting earlier, Calvin, and uh, Ty Ray is basically giving them a free pass here, it seems, because and now, I usually don't call Ty out, and I probably should have told him I was going to do it before, but I, it just sort of dawned on me that I needed to mention something about this. Ty Ray is giving them, basically giving them a free pass because uh, of the tragic passing of Isaiah Thomas's sister. And while that is a very sensitive situation, and I, I, I can't believe that Isaiah is even playing in the games. I, it takes a lot to, to be able to even go out there, so you have to give him credit for that. I just, I, I don't, I don't think it's okay to to give the whole team a pass because that happened. And through the first two games of the series, Ty is is saying stuff like that. So let me let me go. He basically. Um, was, re, was tweeting back at Bobby Manning because Bobby Manning was – he's a, a CLNS guy as well, and uh, Bobby was sort of upset about what was going on with the Celtics, how they weren't playing well, and I'm trying to pull up this tweet. But how do you feel about the notion that that, that the, the team, the entire team is struggling because of the tragic situation that happened with, with Isaiah Thomas' sister at China? I mean, Isaiah Thomas himself – absolutely deserves a free pass as far as I'm concerned, right? In fact, I even I commented after game one because he had, a, he had a good game 
that like historically got in the wake of a tragedy, athletes will like play well for a game or two, but then after a while, the emotional toll sort of will weigh on them. And I, I said, don't, you know, don't be surprised if Isaiah sort of wears down in this series and you can't really blame him for that. He's dealing with a lot of stuff right now. It was beyond his control. It's not like he can, he can control the timing of, you know, when his sister passes and, yeah, I, I would not criticize Isaiah at all. In fact, I have a lot of people that I that I would like to criticize, or at least a few, and that none of those people are named Isaiah Thomas. In the side, no, he's been amazing. He's been awesome. He and he's yeah. still he's been the same guy that he. I mean, he's forcing it a little bit maybe, yeah. and he he's being a little more sloppy with the ball. But I mean, that's that's where that that focus comes in, and that's where he gets the, the free pass, quote unquote, that we're talking about yeah. here. And, yeah, and you know what? He's still he's still been awesome through the whole thing. So to me, it's almost as if the rest of the team is being affected more on the court than he is, as far as that's concerned. Because even Danny Ainge, in an interview this morning, admitted that it was a dark cloud over the team. And I've got Ty Ray's tweet here. He's tweeting at Bob Manning, real Bob Manning, saying, "Let me ask you a question: How well would any team be doing if a close family member died suddenly on the eve of the postseason?" So in that, I just I take it that Ty is is, and I love Ty Ray. He's one of the best guys that we have on this network. But I I just take it that he's giving the entire team a pass. And and to me, I understand them feeling bad for for Isaiah and being close to him. And maybe some of them were even close to China, you know. And and they have are feeling it as well. But for the entire team to just not be able to focus through two full games, which is what it kind of seems, I wouldn't give them all a pass. They, those guys need to elevate their game because guess what? Like we just said, Isaiah Thomas is still playing at a high level, even through all of this. So they should be following him. And if that's what, what they're, if that's the main reason for them not playing well, then I don't, I don't really know how to explain that because I think it's more, it's, it's not that. And I wouldn't be focusing on that if people weren't talking about it so much. I don't think that that's the issue. I think that there's still an undersized basketball team. They don't know how to win in the playoffs. Nobody really on this team does. And that that's the Bulls do. And, and maybe the Celtics will figure it out. I, I still think that they will and that they can find a way to win four games in the next out of the next five. But you'll have to wait and see, I guess. No, but you, you – okay. You, you, I, I agree. Look, I, I don't think it's human nature to uh, to be able to – to, to be debilitated by knowing someone that you aren't particularly close to. If, if you know, if your one of your coworkers' mothers dies, that's not going to affect your ability to work as cold as that might sound. Unless you're unless you were extremely close to someone yourself, it's just why you can empathize with somebody. It, it's not really in because people die all the time, and it's sort of the nature of life. It, you have to sort of, if you became that person who was, you know, hurt every time some something happened to somebody that you knew, even on on the most basic level, then it would it would probably affect your ability to function. Period. So I I don't think I don't really think that's an issue, other than you know maybe Isaiah again over the course of the series. But I, like you said, Isaiah's basically been Isaiah. So what I want to focus my attention on is Brad Stevens. Now. Before I get into Steven specifically, I want to make sure that everyone understands because the criticism I've been hearing about Stevens is, yeah, he's two and eight, oh, two and ten, right, all time in playoffs now, uh, which is like the worst record of any coach in NBA history. And there's sort of this like, oh, should we look at Brad Stevens being fired? Or uh, the two and ten has nothing to do with anything as far as I'm concerned. No, I agree. Uh, 
yeah, yeah. I don't think he should be fired. He's a he's Me a great either. coach who who managed, you know, who who got this team to to overachieve. All that all that being said, really, uh, what I saw and in particular in game two is just some some just mind boggling coaching decisions that. I don't. First of all, I, did you happen to notice the redundancy in the offense, where like uh, Isaiah Isaiah Thomas would be trying to Isaiah would isolate and he'd be trying to drive, and then like Marcus Smart or Jay Crowder would just be like in like right in his path, op- opening up guys c- curling around screens to like run into a teammate where one person could defend. But like in a, the floor spacing in that in that second game was I don't I don't remember it ever being so bad in a Celtics game, and maybe that's not entirely on him. But when you combine that with the fact that the, the other thing I noticed in that game offensively uh, was the fact that, that the Bulls knew exactly what the Celtics were going to run constantly. And the reason you know that is because the Celtics tried to set up the same thing. Isaiah Thomas at, at the same point uh, – uh, at the three-point line every time, and, and Rondo and, uh, and Jimmy Butler consistently got in the passing lane and got that same lazy uh, over-the-top pass. They, they had like five steals just getting that same pass because the Celtics were trying to initiate the offense at the same okay. point over and over again. But where does that where where do you draw the line there between? the coach not calling something else and the players not executing what he's called. Maybe he's, maybe he sees that if they just made a more crisp pass or if they were paying a little bit more attention and weren't just being so sloppy and throwing the ball all around like they were, that if they would just execute the play, it would actually work. So, I, I mean, I understand that there's a, there, you have to, the, the coach needs to switch thing, things up at some point, And he definitely was being redundant with his calls and and all of that, but there is a point where you have to say that the execution is a major factor as well. Well, uh, I have some, yeah, I have some issues with with some some uh, some specific players, but the strategy plays so into that. I think they got dominated on the boards in game one. In game two, they were so they seemed that they were more committed. And by the way, the rebounds are an overblown thing because yes, the Bulls uh, the Bulls sort of dominate the rebounding game when Robin Lopez is in the game, but when he's not, it's basically even. It's been in fact in the second half, the Celtics have gotten more rebounds than the, than the Bulls in both games, and the main reason why. Uh, Robin Lopez is first. First of all, they, they have a box out issue, which yeah, I'll, that's not on Stevens. That's on on guys like Horford and you know Amir Johnson. But but this comes back to Stevens to me too, because you know what uh, Billy Donovan said about uh, Enos Cantor in the OKC Houston series. He said Enos Cantor is unplayable in this series. You could watching this series to me, Amir Johnson is not playable. He he can't guard anybody on the on the court at this point. I don't okay, I, so I, don't really I, I tend to agree with you, but I'm afraid they don't have really anybody else. I, I want to see more time, more minutes from Tyler Zeller personally, but I don't think he's much of an upgrade is the problem. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you there too. But again, if look, Lopez is going to kill them no matter what, although they should definitely be doing a better job trying to – because he can – it's not like he's just merely using his power in every attempt. There, there have been times, but there were other times where Kelly Olynyk's just standing there, and you can see Robin Lopez run past him. And this thing, I don't, I don't blame that on Stevens. But, but what I do, what I do blame on Stevens again is if you're going to have Lopez under there getting rebounds, you have, you have to do what teams do to other teams with a big center. Al Horford and Kelly Olynyk can hit threes. They can, you can pull him out away from the rim and try to take advantage of him on the other end. But you don't see your bigs doing that. You don't see 
You don't see the scheme, the offensive scheme designed to attack the fact that the Bulls are playing big. Robin Lopez can't shoot on the other end, so it's not like he can make you pay. Why are they running an offense when he's in the game? Designed, why aren't they pushing it up more with him in the floor? Why, why are they running a half-court set when the center's in the game? All of these things are, are yeah, questions it's, that I have. It's almost, it's almost as if they're, they're forcing themselves into playoff mode or something, you know, instead of yeah. trying to pl- try and have some sort of a mix between the way they normally play and the grind of the playoffs. And they're just trying to, yeah. they're trying to fit into a, a hole that, that it's a, they're a square peg and they're trying to fit into a round hole. And I just, I, I wish that they would get a little more loose and find a way to, to get some focus and just try and play basketball the way that we've seen them play this year, because that would be more effective than what has been going on with them trying to get into a half court set and get Isaiah to the line or get a, a three from Bradley smart Crowder, whoever you want in the corner. Um, I, I mean, I just, I feel like Al Horford has been hearing the criticism of not going into the paint enough, and maybe that's what they're doing, and they're pushing him more to the paint, but you're right. I mean, you can't just do that against a, a team that's throwing a guy that has been dominating you on the on the glass out there, and they're not. It, it seems like, they're, it seems like yeah. sometimes they're trying to cater their game to the Bulls, and sometimes they're just trying to do what they normally do, and they're not choosing the right times to do either of those but, things. But the point is that they have to do neither. They have to attack the Bulls' weakness, and that's what I feel like they're not doing. And then on, on the other end, part of the reason, yes, the Bulls are a good offensive re- rebounding team, but again, that's overblown because if you watch the way the Celtics are playing defense, they're running high traps constantly on guys. I get why you do it to Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler's been destroying anyone who guards him out on the perimeter. But why are they trapping Rondo two feet behind the three-point line? Let Rondo take Rondo Oh, man, the best and let's not even – forget about trapping Rondo. Why is Isaiah Thomas diving to, out to the three-point line to try and block a, a Rondo three-pointer? Like, that's – if you're going to yeah. – in the first game, the criticism was that they were letting Bobby Portis shoot wide open. If you're going to let anybody on the Bulls shoot wide open threes, it's Rajon freaking Rondo, okay? So I, I, I feel like there were other times where they overplayed him on the three-point line and other guys are getting open shots. Let Rondo do his thing out there. Make sure he doesn't penetrate because then he's going to try and kill you either at the rim or with those fake passes. And if he's going to shoot the ball, let him shoot the ball. Honestly, if they get swept and Rajon Rondo knocks down 30 jumpers in the next two games, I'm okay with that because that's outrageous and it's not going to happen. It's not not even just Rondo. They just keep trying to run the surprise trap. They ran it twice on Zipser. Again, two feet behind the three-point line, you're you're trying to trap this guy's Zipser when, like – well, why? There's, Robin Lopez got an easy put-back dump because they tried to trap Zipser and somebody took a shot and nobody was under the rim because, again, they had to rotate. I don't, I don't get why they're not playing. Like, yes, I understand. They, they, they have a size disadvantage. I get it. I get it. I'm just saying, like, you, you counterbalance that with speed, pushing the ball, and you counterbalance that with spacing, and they don't seem to be they don't seem to be attacking the Bulls at their weak point, and that's why I'm a, that's why I'm being critical of Stevens. I don't like what they're doing in terms of scheme. I don't like the fact that again that Isaiah like I, I haven't I've had this issue all year, but like I don't understand why like Isaiah is never off the ball as like a like a catch and shoot situation. Why they never just set it up to try to get him an open shot? But they're not even doing that for anybody right now. Who? How often do they see a dribble drive and somebody get an open corner three? That's not even happening in this series. 
And it's, yeah, I granted the Bulls have, have done a good job rotating, but like you would think this again with, with screens. What happened? To this, what happened to the high screen for Avery Bradley? The twenty foot Avery Bradley jump shot. What happened to that play? That play's not even. When was the last time you even know. ran that? Haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's a, that's the point that I'm making. Why they're not even running their typical offense? And I don't, I don't. It's like they're they're breaking it down to this the most basic, you know. Let, have Isaiah do as much as possible and, you know, smart as a secondary situation. They played Isaiah and Rozier together in that last game, Murray. That, I don't, I, I get that they don't have enough ball handling, but like that lineup, it can't survive defensively. It can't. And it did. You can't yeah, play those I mean, two I don't, Calvin, man, I don't, I don't really know what, what else to say about this. They're, they're, they're playing poorly. They need to make adjustments. Uh, they need to feel more comfortable on the court. They, they just, they look like they're forcing every little thing and they just, they don't yeah. look like the team we've seen. I, I don't know how to get them more loose. Uh, I don't know whether uh, Isaiah's time with his family will, will help that at all. Uh, I don't know if any of the players have had time to, to spend any extra time with him. You know, maybe that would help things too. If they, I mean, I, I Steven said he's coming back tonight. Maybe, I don't know. I'm sure he's had a, had an extremely long few days, a long week, but maybe over the next 12 to 15 hours, uh, or actually I should say over the next 20 hours, let's say, maybe he and his teammates will be able to talk about things and, and figure out a way to sort of get things off their back and shake whatever's going on. Because whether it's a combination of all of these things or one of the things that we've talked about in, and it, that it's, is the most important factor, it doesn't matter. They just need to figure out how to get past it and play the way that they've been playing because they're better than I these think, Bulls yeah. overall, right? I mean, would you – Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Well, how much do you, how much do you put no. into the fact that those three veterans are actually playing really well together right now on the Bulls? Well, the thing about it is, is like you, you see the shots that Wade made; those aren't sustainable shots. Yeah, he he had a good team, but Avery Bradley was in his face, like for the majority of the yeah. game. He always guarded Wade well. Like he made contested threes. Those those you have to live with. Uh, Rondo, I, again, I think a lot of it has to do with scheme. Jimmy Butler is probably going to kill you no matter what, right? Just because just because he's, he's bigger and stronger than he's anyone greatest. he's guarding. But, yeah. But but I, I feel like again Wade can't keep up the, the, just the shots that he got in that game. It's not like he was, he was getting crazy open looks. He was being defended well. Rondo, I can't. I just think it's bad bad scheming. And, but but they yeah they have a lot of issues. I I think if you saw what happened in that game, you would say okay they had a role player step up big for them. You know, uh, Portis in game one, Zipser in game two. Like there's not necessarily going to be a guy on the Bulls to make that many shots every game. Wade is due to have a bad game. Rondo is due to have a bad game. And then you look and you say, Isaiah Thomas, you know, missed almost half his free throws. That's where you can really see, okay, maybe it's affecting him, right, because he's a 90% free throw shooter. So you go, you, you factor that in, the Celtics missed a lot of bunnies, and maybe you go, you know, this is a different game if we – we play smarter than a lot. Of, again, those those dumb turnovers that I'm talking about were just early offense. The Bulls got easy buckets off of like careless entry passes to Isaiah. If you if you clean that up, then then it's, to my mind, this series could easily start. The momentum could start swinging the other way. Again, I think the rebounding's an overblown thing. They're probably going to get out rebounded, but if they if they balance that out by out shooting them, then it won't really matter. Well, yeah, they obviously need to find a way to knock down shots. They need to get themselves better looks at the rim. They need to not 
throw the ball into coverage and, and in through, try and pass it through two defenders on a break. Uh, there, there are plenty of things and, and mistakes that they've made that they can shore up just by focusing a little bit better. And, and that's, that's where I think the whole playoff mentality comes into it. This team, who's um, – I wish I had this number right in front of me. I'm going to Google it right now. But how many playoff games has Al Horford won, you know? Like, who is the veteran as far as playoff wins are concerned on this team? I don't, I don't think that they've figured it out yet. And if they don't figure it out within the next 24 hours, they are going to have to wait until next year. Can I complain about, about Horford, though, real quick, right? I mean, Horford, he's just not doing enough. He's not. He's not defending well enough. He's not. He's not rebounding well enough. He's not. He's not taking enough control of the offense. I don't look. The, the Celtics don't have enough scores, and Al Horford is a guy who has, like, um, he has a high post game. He has. He has the ability to create shots for himself in the offense. And I, I think he's the guy. And instead, it's just been Marcus Smart and. To, to be fair, I, I could have said Smart over the season, but I can't even blame him for taking some of the shots he's taken this series because the Bulls are just not even bothering to cover Marcus Smart. So if you're Marcus Smart, you have to take those shots. I get it, just to keep them honest and, like, hope they go in. But I, I just think Horford, man, Horford's got to be the guy instead of just and, – and even if so, he was just, okay, the consummate team player, I could live with it. I just see all these effort – again, Robin Lopez just, just – Slipping past him, not even strength plays, just him not being aware or like him standing there when someone else is dunking and him not not getting all the way over. And I'm like, where, where's Al Horford's energy level? That's what I want to know. Where's yeah, maybe it's maybe it's the whole factor. Like maybe he just goes away in the playoffs. I, I, do you know how many playoff games he's played in his entire career? How many? Eight eight seasons, not including the, the two this year. Seventy four playoff games he's appeared in. Oh, that's a lot of experience, right? That is a lot of experience. And, I mean, there there was one season where they went to the finals, it looks, or maybe not the final, Eastern Conference finals, I guess. Yeah. He played 16 games in the 14-15 season. But it, I, I, so there have been times where they've won a couple rounds with Al Horford, where they've played more than seven games in, in a year. There have been four times where he's played, at, or five, excuse me, six times in his career where he's played at least seven games. And five times that he's played over seven games. So that means that he's won at least five playoff series. And by the looks of the total games, I'm just looking on the, at the list of years, I would imagine that he's he's won more like six or seven playoff series, something like that. So the, this plays right into my point. He's the guy. He, yeah. He's the guy that needs to express to the team what it is to win. And he can't just do that with his words. You're right. He's got to get more involved on the floor and – you can't just look at his numbers when the game is over because sometimes he play he gets garbage number uh, garbage rebounds. Sometimes he's got spurts at the beginning of a game. He's not been as engaged as as he needs to be as the second best player on this team. All right, so I, I told you a half hour. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna keep us to it. Yeah, but uh, we just wanted to get in because you know who knows what the situation will be by the time the next time we get on air. All right, so for the record, we're both sticking to Celtics in seven. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. All right, that's correct. We'll find out how how right we are over the next few days, and maybe we'll have to be eating crow on our next show if the Celtics end up getting swept or knocked out in five. Uh, actually, when's game five? We probably have a show before that, right? So either way, 
we will find out this weekend, tomorrow night, and then Sunday, whether the Celtics will play on in this playoff series. Maybe they get to game five. Hopefully it goes to game seven and they win like we've both predicted. We're sticking to it here. Thank you for joining us on this quick version of Careless Whispers on CLNS Radio on a Thursday evening. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. I hope it's much better for the Celtics fans than the last two. Calvin, buddy, good talking to you. Yeah, hopefully we have a show on Tuesday. I don't know what the schedule is yet, but we'll see. We'll, we'll get back to you guys soon. Yep, sounds good. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. Good night, everyone.